Good evening, Feed Store. Welcome to Wednesday Night Online. I hope you guys have your Bible. I hope you, I hope you have your notebook. I hope you have your pins. Um, and I hope that you are in a distraction-free zone so that you can focus on the Word tonight. I am very excited about it. Um, I believe God gave me something very, very seasonal, very, very divine for tonight, for you, for every listener. It ministered to me, um, and I hope it ministers to you. So let's pray and let's get started. Father, I thank you for tonight. Father, I thank you for every single listener. And Lord, I pray that you would rock our world tonight, that you would minister to us, Father God, that you would get into the deep places, that you would minister to us in a way that we have not been ministered to before. Father, I pray that we would see a part of you that we've never seen before. I pray that revelation would flow. I thank you that your word would not return void. I thank you that your word would go forth and it would accomplish everything that you sent it to accomplish, Father. And I thank you for the honor that it is to serve you and worship you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, the title of my message tonight is Do Not Grow Weary. And as I was praying for you guys throughout today, as I was preparing for this message, guys, I have to, to explain the urgency of the caution that I received um, from prayer. And that caution is to do not grow weary in this season. This is a crazy season that we're in. And it's a season that we're not so connected with people. We're not connected with our church family like we normally are. We're not connected to our, our friends. We're not connected to our family. And this is a season that the world is kind of moving, but kind of not moving. A season that we're maybe moving forward in our lives, but maybe not moving forward in our lives. And it's just a weird season. And the, what it reminded me of and the example that I wanted to use was um, I've been in sports, around sports my whole life. I've coached, I've refed, I've been a, a player. Um, but there's always these times with these teams where you're a really good team and you're about to face a team that's not so good. You're about to face a team that you know you've beat or a team that has a terrible record, that they are clearly less capable of winning than you are. We've all been there, right? Or watched or witnessed the game of the sort. So what do you do? When you know you're playing this kind of team, you don't practice with the intensity that you would normally practice with. You don't come into the game with the excitement and the intensity and the preparation that probably should have taken place because you're not recognizing the, the opponent that you're facing because we don't recognize the potential in the opponent that we're facing. And so we go into these games with our guard down and what usually ends up happening, the underdog will win, right? The underdog's gonna show up and they're gonna take the game and it's gonna be this crazy victory because the team that should have won didn't show up ready to play. And the team that had no way of winning showed up ready to, prep, to play and they won the game. And that's kind of the season that I feel like we're in right now is it's a very season that's very easy to become complacent. It's very easy to become passive. It's very easy to let our guard down spiritually and let our guard down even physically, but spiritually is where we're headed tonight, that it's very easy for us to grow weary. It's very easy for us to grow dull in this season. And my caution that I wanna give to every one of you, and my caution is to not grow weary. We're gonna look at the dangers of growing weary, but this is an easy thing to do in this season is to just become passive, to just become complacent, to become relaxed in this season that 
Maybe you say, I'm not, I'm not weary. I haven't been working. Well, physically, maybe we're not as tired as we were before, but spiritually, we've come to a place where we've stopped growing. Spiritually, we've come to a place where we've stopped moving forward. Maybe we've come to a place where we're questioning God in some areas that we're not seeing the breakthrough. Or maybe we're just kind of on cruise control in this season. Nothing's really happening good. Nothing's really happening bad. And we're just floating through the season. Well, I want to caution us in this season. This is not a time to let our guard down. This is not a time to back down. This is not a time to sit around. This is a time to put our guard up, to stand guard for our lives, for our families' lives, for our communities' lives, our churches' lives, our government's lives, our president, that we stand in the gap. But this is a time that we do not sit back. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us that um, our adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, our, the, the enemy to our soul, the enemy to our life, to the life of our family, he's not taking a break in this season. We cannot afford to take a break in this season. And so wherever you're at, I want to express some urgency that we need to prepare to win in this season, that we need to get back to the place that we are diving into the word of God. We are diving into prayer. We are diving into worship and we are not taking a break in this season. And I need to be very bold and very firm about this and caution you, do not take a break. All right, let's start in Genesis 25. And we're going to look at someone that grew weary and what happened. It says, now Jacob cooked stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. He was what? He was weary, right? And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am what? Weary, right? I'm weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And, Esau gave, or, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And he ate and drank, arose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. All right, so what happened here? Esau was the firstborn. That's why he had the birthright, okay? And so he comes to a place where he's tired, where he's weary, but he's weary enough that for a bowl of soup, he gives up his destiny. He gives up his birthright. A birthright in the Old Testament meant this was given to the oldest son. He had authority of the land. He had more valued possessions. He had more authority given to him. Spiritually, what that means for us is that we have a spiritual birthright, meaning that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have spiritual authority. We have um, the, the word, the promises of the word that are given on our behalf because we are the sons and daughters of Christ. Okay, so this birthright that Esau had, what I wanna lay a foundation with really quick before we keep going is that everything that happens in the Old Testament is a physical representation of what manifests spiritually in the New Testament. So what happens physically in the Old Testament is what you and I will face in the spiritual realm because we know that we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? So we're not warring against flesh and blood in the Old Testament. They're warring against flesh and blood. New Testament and us today, we face spiritual battles in our lives. So this is a physical representation of what it means to us spiritually. We have a spiritual birthright, meaning I have authority in who I am in Christ, that I'm called, that I'm chosen, anointed and appointed for a time such as this. And I have authority that says that I have authority through the word of God. 
I have authority because of my position in Christ. Well, because of that, um, Esau had the same thing physically, okay? And he decided that I'm gonna sacrifice this birthright. I'm gonna sacrifice my authority. I'm gonna sacrifice my destiny. I'm gonna sacrifice who I'm created to be to satisfy a craving because he grew weary. And I wanna caution us. So point number one here is that what cravings are we willing to satisfy because we've grown weary? Have we caught ourselves in this season going, uh, I know that I don't normally watch these kind of things, but what else is there to do? We're on quarantine, right? I don't listen to these kind of things. I don't, I don't do these kind of things. I don't participate in these kinds of activities. I don't talk this way. I don't talk this way about people. I don't talk this way. What have we sacrificed to satisfy a craving in our life? Have we allowed bitterness to set in? Have we allowed negativity to set in? What cravings have we satisfied and sacrificed our Christ-likeness? and sacrificed those things that we hold true in the word of God, that authority that we hold true. See, Esau sacrificed it to, um, to satisfy a physical craving. We can do the same thing that we satisfy a craving in our life and sacrifice who we were created to be. And so now we just get comfortable being someone that we were never created to be because we can sacrifice who we really are to satisfy a craving. Why? because we've allowed ourselves to grow weary. And I want us to see here that this enemy, this specific enemy that we're gonna be talking about tonight is one enemy that attacks the people of God over and over and over in the Old Testament. It's one enemy, it has one name. In the New Testament, this enemy is still very much active. We still face this enemy, but I wanna show you that every time that somebody grew weary, this enemy was there to show up but it comes through the door of weariness. And so Esau grew weary and he gave up his birthright. Okay, let's go forward and let's look at Genesis 25, 29. Oh no, we're just there. Sorry, Exodus 17, 8. Okay, in this story where we're gonna pick up the Israelites, they have left Egypt, okay? And they are coming through the wilderness. They have crossed the Red Sea at this point. They have been in the wilderness for a long time at this point, okay? We've just finished the part that they were complaining and whining that they would much rather go back to Egypt because in where they were right now, they didn't have water and they needed water and they didn't know why Moses led them out here to die and they're whining about the situation that they're in and they're complaining about the situation that they're in and they wanna go back to Egypt. They wanna go back to the way life was before because this is an uncertain season for them. They don't know when they're gonna get to the promised land. It's hot, there's a lot of them, they're traveling and it's the desert, okay? No one wants to be out there. So this is a season that they have grown weary. And I wanna show you what happens. It says now Amalek, okay, that's important. I wanna hit that right off the bat here. Remember Esau that we were just talking about? This is his grandson, Amalek. And we're gonna see from here forward, Amalek or an Amalekite attacks God's people over and over and over and over and over again, but it comes through a season of weariness. The Amalek was known to as a people 
that would worship false gods, that they would worship false idols. And they knew that if they could get Israel to worship anybody but God, that they would have control. They knew that if they could get Israel at a place that they felt overwhelmed, oppressed, or weary, that they could take out the people of God. This is what they knew. And this is what Amalek still is true today. We recognize it as the spirit of Amalek that will attack us through the same things. That if it can keep us oppressed, that they can keep us worn down, if they can keep us worn out, if they can sacrifice our posture of worship or prayer or praise, then he can have access to our life. And that's the same way the enemy's operating in us today. It's the same way that the enemy operated here. And so we see now Amalek uh, came and fought with Israel, Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one side and on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out. I need you to remember that line. If you've got a Bible, take a note, circle it because we're going to see it again. I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Okay, so Amalek, let's just rephrase here. Oh, I wanna look at one more thing. Keep your finger there in Exodus and flip over to Deuteronomy twenty-five seventeen, really quick. Because I just want us to see, I know that I said that the Israelites were tired in the wilderness, but I want us to see it here. It says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks. He attacked you from behind. All the stragglers at your weir when you were tired and what? Weary. When you were tired and weary and he did not fear God. When you were tired and weary and you did not fear God, he attacked you from behind. He attacked the stragglers, the ones that got tired of being out there. Okay, here's my question to us. Your challenge question. Point number one was what are we willing, what, or what craving are we willing to sacrifice when we're weary, right? Okay, point number two is that just like we see in the story here, are we in a season, I'll get to the actual point in a second, but are we in a season that we feel like, just like they were, they're in the wilderness, they're coming across. We don't know when this thing's gonna end. We don't know when we're gonna get to the other side of this. I have to rely on God for everything. At least back there, I knew that I was getting this many meals a day. I knew that this is what every day was gonna look like. But now, I feel like I'm having to rely on God for every meal. They miss the miracles of God in this season and what God's providing for them in this season because every time they were with lack, we're so hungry, God would give them manna. We're so thirsty, Moses would hit the rock and the water would come out, right? We, we need direction. So they had the cloud by day, they had the fire by night. Okay, God provided for them over and over and over again, but they missed every miracle because they were so focused on the negativity around them. My question is, are we in the same season? 
Are we in a season that maybe we're going, I want to go back to where it was before because at least I knew that this was going to be the paycheck I was getting. At least I had certainty of where I was going. At least I had certainty of where I was going to end up. I had certainty of what my day was going to look like. And now I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. I don't know when things are opening and when things are shutting, how long I have to stand in line at Walmart, when I'll get to pick up my order. I don't know when toilet paper will be back on the shelves. We have no certainty about anything right now. So maybe we're in the season that the Israelites were in, a weary season of going, I want to go back. But see where the enemy attacked? He attacked the rear first. He attacked back here first. And so my challenge, my challenge question or, or point number two is that have we grown weary in a season because we've focused on the negativity of our situation instead of on the miracles of God? Have we grown weary because we're focusing on the negativity of the situation we're in instead of on the miracles of God? Here's what I want us to see in this battle, okay? As long as Moses held the rod up, and what does this mean? When, when you hold your arms up, right, that's an act of surrender. And so I believe that this has two representations here. One is an act of worship. Going, God, I surrender this battle to you. So that is an act of worship, right? Okay, it also is a physical representation of, of Moses holding this staff in the air. And as long as that staff was in the air, Israel prevailed. As long, whenever that staff would come down, or when you study it out, when Moses would fatigue, when Moses' worship would grow weary, Amalek would prevail. And so in this season, has weariness changed the posture of our worship? Has it taken the posture of our worship away? Because Amalek has, has a door to prevail in your life when the posture of your worship changes. When the posture of our worship changes, when we go from surrender to God, that I'm believing God in this season, that I'm believing God, that we're going to win this battle when I'm surrendered to God. And then I, my worship starts to fatigue because I don't actually see anything changing. And this is a weird season that I've never been in before. And I don't feel like I necessarily have to fight like I normally have to fight. I don't see the up and down battles. It's just a weird feeling. It's a weird season. It's hard to worship. It seems pointless to pray and worship and fight like I did before. And could it be that that's the very thing that's letting Amalek prevail in your life? Could it be that it's the very thing that's opened the door to the enemy in your life? But the thing about it is that when we get passive and we get complacent, we don't really know that we've let the enemy in. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want to reveal himself. He wants you passive and he wants to be complacent so he can make home in your life and you don't see the fullness of God. Why did Amalek attack there? Because they were headed to the promised land. And Amalek didn't want God's people to get to the promised land, just like the enemy today doesn't want you in your promised land. He doesn't want you to get past this season. He doesn't want us to get to the other side. He doesn't want us to walk in the fullness of the promises of God that he's predestined for us. So he wants to attack us at a point that it's weary, but what does he attack? He attacks our surrender. He doesn't want us surrendered. So if we can compromise our worship, if he can get us to change our posture of worship and fatigue in our worship and fatigue in our word and fatigue in our obedience to God, then he knows he can prevail in the battle. So my challenge in point within number two is that do not let weariness steal your worship. Do not let weariness steal your obedience to the word. Do not grow weary while doing good. Do not, let's look at that scripture really quick. I meant to start with that, Galatians 6, 9. And we're going to read it in the New King James and we're going to read it in the Amplified. And it says, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now let's look at it in the Amplified. 
and let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly in doing right. For in due time at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Hey, that is powerful. And that's gonna be our theme verse throughout the night that Moses, do not grow weary for in due season, you're gonna reap. If Moses would have let that fall, Amalek would have prevailed. And every time he went down, Amalek started prevailing, but every time he was up. And so do not let your posture of worship be stolen in weariness. Do not grow weary. If your worship is fading, that's a good, good uh, pointer there that you might be growing weary. If your worship is not where it's supposed to be, you might be growing weary. If you're giving into cravings that you used to not give into, you might be growing weary. And that's a sure sign that you've given a foothold to the enemy in our life and we need to get him out. We need to stop it. How do we stop it? We saw how Moses stopped it. Moses did not lose his uh, posture of worship. Do not lose your posture of worship in your home. Do not let your family lose their posture of worship. Lead your family in worship in your home. Have church in your home. Do not Sink back in this season. Do not let things become common. The word and worship and prayer become common in this season. Let's keep going here. Numbers 13. We're going to see the Amalekites show up again. All right. Uh, Numbers 13. And this is when, so the Israelites are, are in, on the, just on the other side of the river from the promised land. They're right almost in the promised land, but they're not really in the promised land. Okay, they're almost there, but they're not there. So they're gonna, we're going to see here if they're going to settle for good enough. So what happens is that Moses sends out 12 spies, right? He says, go spy out the land. Let us know what it looks like. And here's their report. We're going to start in verse... Uh, 27. So they came back and it says, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The who? The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea in the banks of the Jordan. Okay, so here's their response. And, and we know how the story keeps going, but for time's sake, we're not going to read the rest of the story. We know that Joshua and Caleb came back and said, yeah, but it's fine. But see, but these, these spies, they said we're like grasshoppers in their sight and in the sight of our own. Here's what weariness will do to you. Weariness will keep you in the place that... I'd really like to cross over into the fullness of God, but I know that I would have to face some things to get there. I know that it's going to be hard to get there. I know that, I mean, we've fought this long and this is pretty much good enough because what Kadesh was is it was just on the other side of the promised land. So it actually had some of the crops from the promised land growing there. So it was almost the promised land. It was better than anything else that they had faced since they had been in the wilderness this whole time. But it wasn't the actual promised land. It was almost the promise of God, but it wasn't the promise of God in their lives. And see, when we allow weariness to come into our lives, when we allow weariness, we were settled short of the fullness of the promise of God in our lives. Weariness. And who wants to keep us back? The enemy. Why are the Amalekites in that land? Because they knew that they could threaten and they could hold God's people just short 
of the fullness of, of him in their lives, that they could hold him just short of the promise. And the enemy wants to do the same thing for us is that he doesn't want us to cross over into the fullness of the promise, but he's okay with us settling just short of the promise. And when we allow ourselves to grow weary, the enemy is going to be right across going, you're good there. You don't need to come all this way. And so we'll feel overwhelmed by the situation. And instead of fighting through with the promise that God has already given us and taking possession of what God has already given us, we'll shrink back and we'll allow the Amalekites, we'll allow weariness, we'll allow the enemy to keep us in a place that's almost good enough. That's just short of God's promises. And that's where the enemy wants to keep us. And so that's your next point. Weariness will keep you just short of God's promises. We'll keep you in a place that's just short of God's promises. All right, let's keep going. We're gonna go Judges 6.3. This is the next place that we find the Amalekites. And it says, so it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also who? Amalekites. Man, these people are everywhere. And the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Okay, so here's where we're at. This is what my dad's been speaking on on Sunday mornings is on Gideon. So this is right before we see Gideon rise up and he actually goes and defeats the Midianites. Okay, the Amalekites have joined the Midianites at this point. So there are joined forces here. What are they doing? They want to keep God's people in a place of lack. They want to keep God's people in a place of oppression. And let me give you the definition of oppression really quick is to cause someone to feel distressed, anxious, uncomfortable, heavily burdened mentally or physically by troubles, adverse conditions, and anxiety. We might as well name the Amalekites COVID, right? Keeping us in a possessed or, or oppressed place that we feel overwhelmed mentally and physically, anxiety, distressed, worried, or weary, right? Weary to keep us in this place that we are, when we find Gideon, he's hiding in a wine press threshing wheat. That's not where wheat was supposed to be threshed. So we're trying just to take care of ourselves, right? So weariness will open the door for the enemy to keep us in a place that we can take care of ourselves, but we can't see beyond it because we're so oppressed. We just are in a place that we expect the enemy to come and steal from us, that we never expect to see beyond it. So has weariness caused us to be in a place that we just expect the enemy to still? That we just expect it? That's point number four I think we're on. Is that has weariness caused us to be in a place that we just expect to be stolen from? Because that's what we see right here. Is the Amalekites have as Israel where they just know the enemy is going to come and steal. So they just take preventative measures. So they've actually rebuilt their lives with the enemy stealing from them in mind? Have we built our lives with the enemy stealing from us in mind? That we just live on the side of negativity that I know I'm gonna be stolen from, so I might as well just live this way instead. All right, let's keep going. First Samuel 15. Okay, so I want us to remember as we go into this next story, because this is where the point's gonna get a little bit different. But I want us to remember what God said. He wanted to utterly blot out the Amalekites. 
okay? He wants to blot out Amalek. He wants, and this is where we're gonna see where the true violence on the side of God, that it says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We're gonna see that here with God where he says, I want them destroyed. Why? Because he's sick of God's people being attacked by this enemy, okay? But we're gonna see here how we can open the door to the enemy in our life and be taken out by it as well. And we saw here that, or we know that in, in Gideon, that Gideon trusted what God said. He obeyed the voice of the Lord. That's what I want us to understand. When we're obeying the voice of the Lord, we can defeat the enemy in our life. But when we shrink back, then the enemy prevails in our life. We saw that with Moses. When his posture of worship dropped, then Amalek, then Amalek prevailed, right? In Gideon, as long as Gideon was obeying and trusting the voice of the Lord in his life, then they ended up defeating the Midianites. Okay, we can do the same thing. Now we're gonna look at someone who didn't obey the fullness of God and we're gonna see how that affected even down the line. And this is a huge caution here. Um, 1 Samuel 15, 1. And we're gonna read this story. All right, and it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Oh, just kidding. That was verse 10. We're going to start in verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up for Egypt. Okay, God is keeping track of where this guy's attacking his people. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, do not spare them, but kill both man and woman and infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Okay, that sounds a little crazy. That sounds a little intense. But remember, physical representation in the Old Testament, spiritual rep manifestation in our life today. God's saying, I don't care how little you think that the enemy is in your life, how little a sin it is, how little of an issue it is, deal with it or it's going to take you out. So his command here is through, through this weariness, through whatever season you're in, it may seem like a little thing to you. It may be a little bit of disobedience. It might just seem little, but that little thing will take you out and it will destroy you. And so God's saying, everything that does not line up with the word of God, I want it gone. And that's our caution in this season is that let's clean house in this season. Let's look at everything. Are my thoughts lining up with the word of God? Are my words lining up with the word of God? Is my heart lining up with the word of God? Are my intentions, are my actions lining up with the word of God? Is my household lining up with the word of God? What we're watching, what we're saying, what we're hearing, what we're seeing, are all of those things lining up with the word of God? Because if we do not take the enemy seriously, he will take us out and he will destroy us. And we're gonna see that right here. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them into lame. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of An Amalek and lay in the valley to wait. And we're gonna skip down to verse seven. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the ox and the fatlings and lambs and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Here's what happened here. Saul took the word of the Lord into his own hands. And Saul had pride to say, 
I can say what needs to be destroyed and I can say what needs to be saved for my reputation. Because if Saul has the best of everything, his reputation goes up. And if he has the king of Agag, if he has King Agag as prisoner, his reputation goes way up in the air, right? And so he's more concerned about pleasing people than he is pleasing God. And so in this season, when God says go, when God says defeat the enemy here, then Saul has decided to take it into his own hands. And he only destroys what he thinks needs to be destroyed. But the things that he likes, the things that maybe keeps his reputation up, he goes ahead and he keeps. Okay, so how does this apply to our lives? Are there areas in our lives that we know that we need to get rid of, that the enemy has a foothold in our life that we know are just right on that line? But if we give those up, they might damage our reputation. They might damage our influence with different people. They may make us look a little strange if we take out everything and we truly obey God's word to its fullness. So we're gonna keep the things that we think are good to keep, but we'll utterly destroy all the things that don't mean anything to us, right? And that's what the word is saying right here. That's what Saul took into his own hands. See, and so he kept part of the stuff that was supposed to be destroyed, he kept for himself. In verse 10, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set Saul as king, for he has turned, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told, Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Let's pause right there for a minute. When we take the word of God into our own hands and we decide what we're gonna get rid of in our life and what we're gonna keep, then the battles that we win in life, we'll set up a monument for ourselves instead of giving glory to God. I wanna point back to, to Moses. And when Moses defeated Amalek, it said that they set up an altar and the altar was called the banner of God. That the altar that Moses set up was to honor God because because I chose to worship God, we were spared and Amalek lost. Here, Saul also defeated Amalek, but he didn't do it the way God told him. He didn't get rid of everything God told him to get rid of. And so he built a monument to himself. That when we do not get rid of everything God has asked us to get rid of, and we take life into our own hands and think that we have control over our enemy because we've kept him captive. He's not removed from our life, but we have him captive. And we think we have control over that issue, that habit, that addiction, that maybe the gossip, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger. When we think we have control over those areas in our life, then what we're saying is that, no, I've, I've, I've won this battle and I'm going to build myself an argument because I beat it right? I beat it. Let's keep reading. And he has gone around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Has he? He didn't perform the commandment of the Lord. He just partially did it. He partially did it. Guys, in this season, are we partially obeying the word of God, but not all of it because we're in a season of weariness, because we're in a season that, that we don't know what it looks like and it looks a little different. So I'm just partially obeying the voice of the Lord. I'm not violently taking action against anything in my life that doesn't line up with the word of God. Are we just partially and saying that we're fully obeying? But Samuel said, what then is bleeding in the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? Here's the thing. Here's a quick way to know. You find out what people hear in the background of your life. Are they hearing the fulfillment of God's word in your life? Or are they hearing the things that should have been destroyed? That's how we'll know. 
That's how we'll know where we're at. Are they hearing the things that should have been destroyed? Are they hearing the fulfillment of the word? Because if they would have heard the, if Samuel would have heard the fulfillment of the word, he wouldn't have heard that noise. But he heard the thing that was supposed to be destroyed. And that thing that even in the background of our life that we're trying to keep captive, that we do not destroy, that is opposite and is not in agreement with the word of God, it's going to be the thing that people hear in the background of our life. And it's not going to be the fulfillment of the word of God and the show that we're trying to put on. That I obey the word of God. I do the word of God. No, they're going to hear the background noise of the thing that wasn't supposed to be there. The enemy that was supposed to be defeated in your life, that you had the power to defeat in your life, you kept alive for your own sake, for your own reputation. And because it's kept alive, that's the noise that people are hearing. They're not hearing the fulfillment of the word of God in your life. They're not seeing the fulfillment of God in your life. They're seeing the thing that should have been destroyed. And it's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, you were not head of the tribes of Israel. And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey? Why then did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul had excuse and excuse and excuse. Our weariness will always always cause us to have excuses to not follow the word of God in completion. It will not, it will always have excuses to cut corners. Weariness will cause us to always cut corners. And what does that do? It opens the door to the enemy in our life. And I want to, I want to skip forward um, to 32. And I want you to see how serious God is about taking out the enemy. And it says, then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Amalekites to me. So Agag came to him cautiously, and Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. The enemy will always, the temptation will always, the things that are contrary to the word of God in your life will always try to argue with you to keep them in your life. They just don't want to be killed. They want you to keep them alive. And that's what the enemy is doing right here is he says, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Maybe it's that addiction that says, Just a little bit isn't going to hurt. Maybe just a little bit of gossip isn't going to hurt. Just a little bit of negativity isn't going to hurt. Just, I mean, you don't really have to be in the word. You don't really have to be in prayer. You know, this is kind of a chill season. It's really nice to have church online. You don't really need your family to engage in worship anymore. You don't really need to, to be in communion with your church. You don't really need to stay connected. But you do. Because that's a lie of the enemy here. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall, mother, um, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Okay, that's hilarious to me. He just hacked him up. Okay, in the physical, that's brutal. Okay, but in the spiritual, that's what God says. And we see that in the New Testament when he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. God does not play with sin because he knows that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He knows the enemy is out to take you out. And he knew that with Saul. And he knew this enemy has been fighting the people of God for years and years and years. And he wanted him taken out. And Saul chose to take him alive. And so it says that Samuel, that he, that he hacked him up. That he got rid of the king that God said to get rid of. Now let's go forward just a little bit more. First Samuel 30. We're almost done, but I want us to get this. 1 Samuel 30, okay, at this point in the story, David and his men have been 
out fighting battles. There's still, David's not king yet. He's still running from Saul, okay? He's been out fighting battles. Saul is in another spot fighting battles, okay? Saul's facing the Philistines somewhere far away. David is facing other people. So David and his men, they come home from battle. They are tired and the word of the day. They're weary, right? They are tired and they're weary and they come home from battle and when they get home, their home is completely burned down. It is burned to nothing. Their wives are gone, their children are gone and who's responsible? The Amalekites. The Amalekites are responsible. They burned down the home. The enemy that was supposed to be defeated is now responsible for burning down our home and is now responsible for stealing wives and children and families. I wonder if that thing that we just choose to put in the background, that thing that we just choose to keep alive, that thing that we choose not to get rid of, that's contrary to the word of God. I have to wonder if that thing wouldn't burn down our home and steal our family. But when did the enemy attack? When their guard was down, when they were weary. That's why I've said over and over in my caution for today is that do not grow weary in this season. Because could it be that in that weary season, that enemy shows up, but the enemy that was supposed to be taken care of wasn't taken care of, and now he's shown up. And so then David asked um, the prophet at that time, he said, he said, do I go? And the prophet said, yeah, you go. And you defeat that enemy. And so David went. And we're going to look at verse 17 here. And it says, Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either great, small or great, son or daughter, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. And then David took all the flocks and the herds that they had driven before the other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Okay, so what happened? David went and defeated the enemy that was supposed to be defeated in the first place. Okay, if you're in a place that you say, man, I need this enemy defeated in my life. I haven't defeated this enemy. I, have, I know that I needed to fight. I know this was supposed to be destroyed in my life. I know that this was supposed to be taken out. Then when you go in the obedience of the word of God, it says that you get back everything that was stolen from you, everything that was taken from you, and some. David had extra spoils. And so if you feel stolen from in this season, then it's a time that you and your family, that we rise up and we say, no, I'm going back and I'm gonna get everything that was stolen from me, from this enemy. I'm gonna defeat the enemy that was supposed to be defeated in the first place. I'm gonna take them out and I'm gonna get what is mine back and some. Because you have that in the strength of the word of God, in the strength of the word of the Lord. See, David went forward in the strength of the word of God. He obeyed the word of God, and that's why the Amalekites were defeated before him. Saul did not obey the voice of the God or voice of God, and that's why the Amalekites are even still alive. But then let's look forward. Second Samuel. Um in verse six, okay, Saul is dead at this point. David gets word that Saul is dead. And the, the kid that's talking to him, he says, what happened? And this is what the kid says. Then the young man who told him said, as it happened by chance to be um, on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now, when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me. 
And I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? So I answered and said, I am an Amalekite. If Saul had defeated them to begin with. But who is this? An Amalekite. And he said to me again, please stand over me and kill me. And so the kid did. And we're going to skip down to, to verse 13. It says, and he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, how was it that you were not afraid to put forth, put forth your hand and destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go near and execute him. And he struck him and he died. And so then David said to him, your bloodshed is on your own head. For your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Here's the thing about the enemy. In a weary season, he's still going to attack. This was a weary season for Saul. He'd been fighting his battles. He was fighting the Philistines at this point, and Saul just wanted to die. And the person that killed him was an Amalekite. But do you see how David answered it here? See, here's the thing. David's been running from Saul for years. David's been running from Saul. So the fact that Saul's dead means that David can kind of be become king finally. And David could have kept this kid alive. Like, hey, thanks. You really saved my life there. Hey, thanks. I can finally become king. No, because David was concerned with the voice of God and God said to destroy Amalek. And David destroyed Amalek just as he had been told. And then he became king. Okay. Um, I just have a couple more scriptures here. I want to read 2 Corinthians 4.16. And it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. We do not lose heart. Our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed day by day. How is our inward man being renewed? Our inward man is being renewed with the word of God. See, we're three parts. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. That is what I want, what I think, and what I feel. But our spirit man is what God wants, what God thinks, what God feels. We are feeding one or the other. And in this season, if we grow weary, we will only be feeding our soul, which means every decision we make, every way we think, every word out of our mouth is gonna be according to what I want, what I think, and what I feel. And we open the door to the enemy. Who? We open the door to the spirit of Amalek. We open that door for the enemy to put a foothold in our life because then he can, we can see how he plays on our emotions, that we keep what we alive, what we want to keep alive, that we can worship when we want to worship, but we really don't have to. And without knowing it, we've given the enemy access to our life because I rely on what I think, what I want, and what I feel versus our spirit, which is what God wants, what God thinks, and what God feels. And here's what I want us to know. The only way to defeat Amalek, the only way to defeat the enemy and prevail over the enemy in our life is to not grow weary, but to keep guard is to stand firm, to stand guard, and to passionately pursue prayer, passionately pursue worship, passionately pursue the word that we choose. That I'm not going to draw back. I'm not going to get dull. And I don't care how hard it is and how weird it seems to pray and fight and, and be in the word and be in worship in this season because everything seems so monotone around us that I choose that I will not let my guard down. I choose to be ready in season and out of season. I choose that I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that I choose that I'm going to take up my armor, that I'm going to fight and the enemy will not gain a foothold in my life in this season. 
and I'm gonna fight on behalf of my family because the enemy's not gonna take out a straggler. I'm not gonna focus if we go clear back to where we started this. I'm not gonna satisfy cravings that are contrary to the word of God. I'm not gonna be in a place that's overwhelmed that I would rather go back to how things were before because of the uncertainty of the times that I'm in right now. But I choose that I'm going to look at God, I'm gonna look to God and I'm gonna obey his word so I can prevail over the enemy and I'm not gonna be surprised by an attack of the enemy. I expect him to come because we know he's coming, but I'm ready for him to come because I will prevail. He cannot prevail over me that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, right? Because we have authority because we did not give up our birthright for a craving. I have authority over the enemy and I'm choosing that me and my family, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're gonna be in the word. We're gonna be in worship and we're gonna be in prayer and we're not gonna let up for a minute that I'm gonna be in the word. Why? Because Hebrews 4.12, and this is where we're gonna close. We just talked about soul versus spirit. Gideon obeyed the voice of God. He, have, he obeyed the instruction of God and that's how he defeated the enemy. We see that David, David listened to the instruction of the Lord and he defeated the enemy. Saul disobeyed. Saul partially obeyed the instruction of the Lord and was taken out by the same enemy that everybody else defeated by surrendering to God. And so in our homes, we have the choice. I can partially obey the voice of God or I can fully surrender the voice of God. And by fully surrendering, I will prevail over the enemy. By partially surrendering, the enemy will prevail over me because it's a, it's a place of compromise and that lets the enemy in. And so when we saw that it's what I want, what I think, what I feel in our soul and what God wants, what God thinks, what God feels in, in our spirit man, we've got to feed our spirit man on the word of God. And here's how the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The uh, Amalekites and Amalek were defeated all through those stories with a sword. They were defeated with a sword. What is our sword? Our sword is the word of God, piercing even to the division of what? Soul and spirit, meaning the word of God is going to tell me the difference between what I think, what I feel, and what I want, and what God thinks, what God feels, and what he wants. That it's going to be that dividing line to go, no, I choose to surrender to what God wants, and I can clearly see that. I can see the truth of God's word in my life because I choose to abide in the word of God. And of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner in the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that's where we're going to close. And actually, I want to reread just really quick Galatians in the Amplified, please. Just reread it as we close where we started. Do not grow weary in this season, church. Do not let your guard down. Do not get complacent. Do not get passive. As soon as we do, that is an open door for the enemy to come. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right for in due time. And at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. And that's my scripture for you. And I would encourage you to take that, put it up in your home, memorize it with your family this week. That Take that scripture that we will fill ourselves on the word of God. We will feed ourselves on the word of God. We will walk out the word of God and clean your house. What's in there that shouldn't be there that needs to be destroyed? Because we don't want an enemy coming back and attacking our family later down the road that should have been destroyed and begin with. You have power over the enemy, but do not grow weary in this season. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for a powerful group of people that are listening tonight, that they are taking up, Father God, their stand, that they're girding up, that they're putting on their armor, that they are not gonna sit back and be complacent and passive in this season, but they're gonna stand and march forward, Father, the way that you would have them to be that they would guard their families, that they would stand and they would stand firm on your promises. They would stand firm on your word, that we would choose that we're gonna fill ourselves with your word every day, that we're gonna meditate on your word day and night, that we're gonna incline our ear to your sayings, that we're gonna incline our heart, that we're gonna fill ourselves with the word of God. 
And we thank you, Father, that our inward man will truly be renewed day by day, that we will not sit back, that we will not relax, that we will not let our guard down in this season, but we're gonna fight forward. We're gonna fight the good fight of the race or fight of faith and we're gonna finish the race that you have set before us. We thank you, Father God, that what your word truly does go forth and accomplish what it's sent to accomplish. We thank you for tonight. I thank you for every single person listening. I thank you for a safe week. I thank you for a productive week. And we would draw closer to you this week than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a phenomenal rest of your week. We miss you and we love you. And draw near. Do not become weary. We'll see you later.